On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between, this is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. The offseason has officially begun. Welcome into Brewers Weekly, everybody. I'm Dominic Catronio. And headlines already today from the Brewers. Brad Boxberger is no longer a Brewer as it currently stands. Doesn't mean he's not going to be a Brewer. Colton Wong will be back. And a guy you may or may not have heard of, Tyson Miller, is now in the organization. We're going to talk about free agency. We're going to talk about these moves in particular. Also joining us here in the next segment, Kurt Hogue of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He wrote a really interesting column about the Brewers needing to spend this offseason. Wanted to get his take on that, as well as today's Brad Boxberger news. If you didn't catch it already, I'm Dominic Catronio. Thanks for joining us. You can follow me on Twitter at Dom underscore Catronio. As free agency officially begins tonight. It began tonight at 5 o'clock Eastern Time. And I want to get out in front of this at the very beginning of this show. If you're listening to this in podcast form, it's not a big deal to you. But if you're listening to it live right now here on the radio, uh, this show is pre-recorded. So because of a conflict of schedule, we had to sit down a few hours before free agency officially began and record this episode So, if Aaron Judge has already signed, or if uh, Carlos Rodon has already signed right at the deadline uh, passing, or at least the uh, opening of free agency officially starting, uh, you won't hear about that here on the show. We're going to analyze free agents, we're going to talk about maybe some matches for the Brewers as well, and we're going to talk about what's to come for the rest of the offseason. And mentioned it, Kurt Kurt Hogue coming up in the next segment. But let me just start. We're going to talk about Colton Wong later on in the show. But let's start with today's headline. Brad Boxberger not returning to the Brewers. Now, there were two options lurking on the Brewers heading into the offseason. And today's deadline by 5 o'clock Eastern time was the time for either a team option or a player option to be exercised or denied. Which is why this you saw all this happening today. Brad Boxberger would have been owed $3 million dollars if he were to re-sign with the Brewers, or at least the uh, Brewers pick up that team option. He was paid $750,000 to be bought out of his contract, becoming a free agent. Matt Arnold smoked with the media after this was announced, and one of the key parts of this, and Kurt mentions this uh, coming up as well, one of the key parts of this is the fact that the Brewers actually, before officially rejecting the option... Put Brad Boxberger on waivers. What does that mean, you may be asking? Putting a player on waivers means that, hey, we're probably going to release this guy, but if you have the option and the availability and the room on your roster to pick up Brad Boxberger, you're welcome to take him with the current terms of the contract, meaning somebody could pick up Brad Boxberger and exercise that $3 million option for this coming year. Every single team, there's a waiver wire based on record. Every single team, pass it. You know this from fantasy football. Every single team passed on Brad Boxberger, which tells you, as Matt Arnold indicated in the uh, availability with the media today, that maybe the $3 million was a bit too steep for his value. $3 million for a reliever that's thrown as many innings in the last two years as he had in the previous four years is a little bit of alarm a little bit alarming. He's 35 years old. You see the velo not exactly blowing the doors off the place, but it's effective enough. There was reason to believe that, yeah, you know what? Maybe $3 million is a little steep. Maybe 
somebody else would want him. Maybe somebody who has a more pressing need would take him. Nobody picked, nobody picked at it. So then they declared uh, that they will not be picking up that option, thus becoming a free agent. It doesn't necessarily close the door on a reunion. If Brad Boxberger were to return to the Brewers, it would be obviously for less than $3 million. The other thing that they can get creative with is with that $750,000 buyout, whatever they do end up signing him for, let's say they sign him for $2 million, you know, take a million off that deal. Essentially, they're paying $1.25 because they've already given him three quarters of a million dollars. So that's, in theory, dead money if you are going to end up re-signing Boxberger. That's not the end of the world. Now, it would be something if they say, oh, we're going to sign him for a new $2 million. Like, wait, you only saved a quarter of a million? So I don't think that would happen. But that's what you may be seeing. Or maybe you do another one-year plus team option for next year. You want to create a new deal for Brad Boxberger because there is still, in my opinion, enough to like. But I tweeted this earlier in case you missed it. There is an old adage in baseball, especially with aging relievers. It's better to be a year too early than a year too late. Meaning, if Brad Boxberger has a solid year, you know, pitches for somebody, seventh inning, eighth inning, whatever it may be, and has a solid year, you know what? Kudos. Good job. You did a great job for the Brewers. Can't say that we were totally surprised. But if the Brewers had re-signed him at that $3 million, taking that team option, and he looks like the Brad Boxberger of August, you know, really struggling, a lot of loud contact against him, struggling with command, That's where the year too late comes in. And again, once you're past 30, 32 as a pitcher, and especially how much Craig Council has used Brad Boxberger, there is certainly a reason for concern to be relied upon him at that price tag. I don't hate the move because as things stand right now, again, he still could be reunited with the Brewers, but also with health, The Brewers' bullpen should, and keyword is air quotes, should be in decent shape. It's not going to be as good as it was on paper last season, but, well, on paper they were really good. Then a lot of guys got hurt. But as things look at the bullpen right now, right, Devin Williams is obviously your closer. Trevor Gott, still under team control. Hobie Milner, still under team control. Matt Bush, I know he had a weird second half. I still think he's going to be a very good reliever, still under team control. Peter Strezlecki, still under team control. Jake Cousins, still under team control. Remember, he missed most of last season injured, so he's going to be a very important piece moving forward. He's still got Luis Perdomo, who missed the last two weeks. Remember how important he was as a bulk reliever. Brent Suter is still due back as well for the Brewers, so there is still enough to like about the crew as things look right now, but what do they want to do? moving forward if they want to have set roles for the 7th and 8th inning like they've had in the last three years with the Boxberger, Hayter, uh, and Williams moves. That may not be the case this year. Maybe more of a moving, you know, floating, depending on situation type thing. So I wanted to talk about the Brad Boxberger thing right off the bat. Colton Wong coming up a little bit later on in the show. But up next, let's talk a little more about Brad Boxberger. Let's talk some money. Kurt Hogue joining us on the show next here on your home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Rolling on with Brewers Weekly right here on Home of the Brewers, WTMJ. I'm Dominic Petronio. So we talked a little bit about reasons why that I felt Brad Boxberger's option was not picked up in the last segment. Let's talk to another guy that knows what he's talking about, Kurt Hogue of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, joining us here on Brewers Weekly. 
chat a little Boxberger, chat a little bit about the column that you wrote, Kurt, earlier this week about trying to get into the checkbook of Mark Adonacio a little bit. Uh, but let's just start with the headline of the day of Brad Boxberger's option being declined and the Brewers in turn picking up Tyson Miller off waivers from the Rangers. Just going on the Boxberger front, plain and simple, are, are you surprised by this move? I am surprised, but I think it, it does make a little bit of sense. I'm surprised simply because you've gotten, what, 70 innings consistently of good production out of him the last two years. Now, I do think there's some underlying numbers there that say he's probably not, you know, there's a chance, a good chance he's not as good uh, going forward this year. And then the Brewers also exposed him to waivers before declining his option. So any team had a chance to pick him up at his current contract. And no one did. So I guess that's maybe where I where I was a bit surprised. I would have thought someone in this market would pay the three million dollars for you know a pretty reliable reliever. You know, maybe not something the Brewers or like a, a small market like the Pirates would do, but you know, something like the Mets or the Braves or the Dodgers, or you know, someone someone would would that's pennies to them would pay to put him in their big league bullpen. But uh, at the end of the day, it's. It's it's an it's another move as they try to shape up this forty man roster. And so now as they sit, they're at thirty four for the forty man roster. There's guys to be added like a Bryce Terang coming up here in the offseason for protection from the Rule Five draft. But that also gives them a lot of room to add free agents, to make trades, to be creative coming up in the next few weeks as free agency has started officially tonight. Uh, now Aaron Judge is probably not coming to Milwaukee. Just putting myself out there, to say the least, but. Where do you see the Brewers being players in free agency and where do you see them trying to be creative in trades? What positions do you think that Matt Arnold is fielding calls on right now? So I was talking about this with a with a friend, uh, I think it was earlier today, and I, I asked him, is there another team in all of baseball that just has as much mystery about their offseason as the Brewers, just in terms of how many different ways they could go. They could trade away Corbin Burns. They could trade for an ace. They could trade for a big bat like Sean Murphy at catcher, which is one position that mm. I think the Brewers are going to have to address. And he's one of the guys, along with some uh, Toronto Blue Jays, have a bunch of catchers of depth that they can trade from. So r- really, like, it's it's we can speculate and guess, and I'll get into that, some of that. But like, I think my the main thing I'm thinking going into this offseason is I have no idea. And every time I do try to guess what the Brewers are going to do, I'm wrong. I'm like batting zero for 50 on that since since I started on the beat this year. So I I, I think they're infield as long as they don't trade away Colton Long, which maybe they you know could be an option to get the right price. Um, I think their infield's pretty much set. They could maybe go get someone you know to platoon at first base or they'd move Rowdy Tellez to, to, to DH. Catcher's an obvious need, and I think they need starting pitching depth as well as we saw this last year. You've got a great front of the rotation, but you need more guys on the back end. We're chatting with Kurt Hogue right now, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, covering the Brewers all season long. Kurt, you wrote a great piece earlier this week uh, in the Journal Sentinel titled, The Brewers Need to Increase Payroll This Season, and at least one player thinks so too. That player, not to give it away for folks who haven't read, read it yet, it's Eric Lauer. And Eric Lauer, as you, you and I both know, he is not afraid to speak his mind. And I want to share this quote that you included in the story. Lauer had another opinion to share. Quote, we have this guy and this guy, pointing to Burns and Woodruff. We got the guys, they're putting up numbers, they're showing that they're studs and they're dudes. Moving forward, nobody's getting cheaper. So it's kind of time to put up or shut up. From Eric Lauer. And you continued on that, yes, the 
Brewers had the record payroll on opening day this year. And Mark Adonacio has indicated that they are not afraid to spend money. They're trying to spend money in the right places. And if the Josh Hader deal was not cost related, this is kind of an off season that leads into, all right, you kind of got to put up or shut up, right? I, th- I think what makes it that and sort of where I agree with Lauer, who, like you said, he is not afraid to talk of anyone in that clubhouse who's going to give his opinion. It's him. Where, where I think I, I agree with him is he is 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 where he looked to his right and his left. The, the guy sitting next to him, it's Woodruff and it's Burns. And unless you extend one of them or one of them or both of them. They've both got two years left on their contracts. Willie Thomas has two years left on the contracts. That's the three best players on this team. I guess Devin Williams too, but in terms of value, get more more value out of those other positions. So you're set up well for the future, for sure. I think the farm system's in a good place and and the brewers are, are building this thing up well. But it's you've got this window open right in front of you. And I think there's a way to invest more on the team as it's currently set up in these next couple of years without mortgaging the future, without, you know, backloading yourself with bad contracts or selling the entire farm uh, and taking advantage of the fact that you you're throwing Corbin Burns out there on opening day. And then you're throwing Brandon Woodruff and then you're throwing Freddie Peralta. And then if you got a lead, you go to Devin Williams. And, and I mean, the offense for as much, as much as, and you know, this as well as anyone taking the calls as as much crap and grief as they got, they outperformed the pitching last year. So it's not a terrible group there. So they've kind of got a, they got a decent, you know, more than a decent core in place, a really good, like top line of, of the team in place. And so now's the time. Why not? Kurt Hogue of the Milwaukee journal Sentinel here chatting with us on Brewers weekly. Kurt, I mean, I, again, I encourage folks to read it. If you don't subscribe to Milwaukee journal Sentinel and you live in Milwaukee, what are you doing? Go ahead and subscribe. They have great Brewers coverage uh, between you and Todd Rosiak. Uh, and everyone on the staff there uh, with the Journal Sentinel. But when I, I get down to all of this, too, and there is something that we, you and I haven't really talked about, Matt Arnold is running the ship for the first time in his career. And uh, in his introductory press conference, talking about the fact that we're going to be opportunistic, we're going to be smart with free agency, but, hey, you're getting thrown straight into the, of the fire of this window that you're talking about with the extension potential to Woodruff and Burns, with the thought of what are you going to do with your farm that you have too many outfielders, really, as it appears right now. You've got another kid ready to bang on the door in double-A and Jackson Trudio. He's not going to impact the team next season. But for Matt Arnold, do you think it's – ever slowed down for him in these last couple of weeks, just getting out of the Vegas uh, general manager's meetings. Now he's got a month away from the winter meetings. What, what do you assess Matt Arnold has in front of him? And how do you think he's going to react to this next uh, first off season? Yeah. I hope he was able to take like a breath on like the first day of the job because it's, it's, it's picked up since then. And it's only going to pick up. I don't know. like his first chance to take a breath is going to be after that with free agency kicking off now. And let all those all those different roster pieces that you talked about is exactly what I'm what I was referencing earlier. Like there's just so many things that they could do, which makes it an already an organization that's already difficult to predict and try to prognosticate what they do. I mean, heck, these guys traded Josh Hader while in first place at the trade deadline. We have no idea what's going to happen in general. And now you got a new general manager and so many moving pieces. It's 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 definitely a challenge. Uh, but like I just said a little bit before, the good news for the Brewers and Matt Arnold is they have a really good core in place. Now, do they uh, do they trade from or move you know from that core at all? Does Corbin Burns on the block? Who knows? There's a lot to figure out for these guys. From a thirty thousand foot view here, just briefly looking at 
the Central. I think, yes, the Brewers are very much, oh, what's this offseason going to look like? In my opinion, you can agree or disagree, the big wild card of the Central Division is the Chicago Cubs because Ricketts has not quite said so publicly, but clearly has the checkbook to outspend anybody in this division. Carlos Correa is available. They have a needed shortstop. They have a needed pitcher. Carlos Rodon is available. There is a lot of ways that the Cubs can instantly improve while the Cardinals look like they will be taking a step back, depending on how they're young guns. If you're going to see a sophomore slump, what's the make of Paul Goldschmidt? Where do you see the 30,000 foot view of this central is I, in my opinion, it's still Brewers, Cardinals, wildcard Cubs of what they can do. It, it doesn't seem like it's going to be anything further than that. Yeah, I do think I think there's going to be another year of Brewers Cardinals with some with some with a gap there. But the Cubs are that wild card. There's there's some obvious needs. There's some obvious money that they have. And I think they're sort of the fan base, ownership, front office, they're all itching to spend it. I'm not sure that they're fully ready this offseason to even if they do spend it to jump into that conversation. Like if they add a Carlos Correa and then, you know, another frontline starter does that put them in that same category i'm not entirely sure but the cubs did play i think they outplayed the brewers over the last like three definitely in the second half but i think yes, over the last three or four months of the year they they outplayed the brewers so they're not as far behind as maybe we thought they were going into the year uh and then the cardinals are an interesting case because you just had so many i don't want to say outlier performances because the guys that that had the performance are really good players but are you really expecting, you know, a one-two finish in the MVP race from your top two guys? Like, there's there's going to be some steps back, and I'm not entirely sure the starting pitching is still there. Wainwright's back again for what year 50. So, <laughs> but there's there's still some there's still some shakiness uh, throughout that roster, and they're replacing Molina, and uh, they got a couple other holes on their offense too. So, it's uh, it's I, I, like I said, I still think it's Brewers Cardinals, but yeah, the Cubs are definitely. There's the potential to disrupt some stuff there. It's going to be a very entertaining offseason all across the NL Central. Everyone talks about what Aaron Judge is going to do. What are the Angels going to do with Otani? Who knows? But there's a lot to follow, and you can follow Kurt Hogue on Twitter as well. Remember, it's C-Y-R-T, correct? C-Y-R-T, that's right. C-Y-R-T-H-O-G-G on Twitter. Again, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Kurt, thank you for your time here tonight on Brewers Weekly, and I'm sure we'll be chatting with you more this offseason. Yes, sir. Always a pleasure. All right, Kurt Hogue here on Brewers Weekly. we got plenty more to come. Let's talk about that free agent market, shall we? Coming up next here on your home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Let's talk about the market. Welcome back in the Brewers Weekly. I'm Dominic Catronio. The Brewers are not necessarily always been big free agent, you know, spending team, as you well know by now. But there are areas that, and specifically one position, I think they should really be a big player in. But a reminder that the Brewers, as things look right now, are pretty set position-wise, especially picking up the the option of Colton Wong. Talking about that in the next segment. But picking up Colton Wong solidifies second base for another year. And I know we've talked a lot about Bryce Terang being up. In my opinion, I thought they were going to decline that Colton Wong option. But diving a little more deep into the numbers, I understand why the Brewers did it. More of that in just a little bit later in the show here. But looking at the infield right now, Opening day looks like Rowdy Telez at first, Colton Wong at second, Willie Adams at short, Luis Arias at third. So no surprises there in the slightest. 
Catcher, probably Victor Caratini, unless we see a trade or something shocking happen between now and uh, opening day. And then the outfield could be very interesting with Christian Yelich, you would assume, in left field. Either Garrett Mitchell or Tyrone Taylor in center field and Hunter Renfro in right. Remember, Hunter Renfro still has one more year of team control. The Brewers have to decide, do they want Sal Freelick on the opening day roster? Do they want Este Uri Ruiz on the opening day roster? And thus, maybe making Hunter Renfro available or Tyrone Taylor available. But that's for trades. We're talking free agents. And there's a massive free agent. I know a lot of folks want to look at Omar Narvaez as being a very important free agent for the Brewers. There's a very underrated free agent hitting the market for the Brew Crew, and that's Jace Peterson. Jace Peterson, 33 years old, on-base Jace. Hitting free agency. Remember, any team had a chance at him in 2021. That's kind of crazy to think about, right? And how important he's been for the Brewers the last few years since joining the team in 2020. Playing all over the place. Gives you solid on-base numbers. Nothing super elite. It was down this year for his on-base. In 2021, he had a 348 on-base. This past year, it was only 316. He did slug the ball a little bit more, but remember... For the majority of the second half of the season, Jace Peterson was dealing with a, an elbow sprain, an elbow injury on his non-throwing elbow, but it did impact his swing. So he's right-handed, but it impacted his left arm, and he really struggled getting power. In fact, he only had one extra base hit in the final month of the season while playing hurt for the Brewers. The big thing you got to remember about Jace, defense. He's been one of the better third basemen. I'm not saying he's gold glove caliber, but he was off to a great start at third base. Remember when Luis Arias was hurt in spring training last year that Jace Peterson clearly stepped over and said, hey, I'm good. I'll take third base for now. He spent the first month and a half over there at third base taking care of business with Mike Brasso in a mini platoon role with him. Jace plays great defense and he plays all over. He can play third. He can play second. He can play right field in a pinch as well. So that's so valuable for the Brewers because... They have to decide what they want moving forward because Mike Brasso is obviously still under team control as well for another year. Do they want to have two utility guys? Do you want to have one that's lefty, one that's righty, as things look right now with Brasso and Peterson? Then you would fill with a backup catcher, of course, and then the last man on your bench would be the fourth outfielder. That's a very respectable and, quite frankly, expected uh, Brewers bench moving forward here for Craig Council's team. And I think Jace Peterson would be a massive part of that. Now... This is where it gets interesting in the free agent market. This is where I think maybe you can caveat that because a lot of this depends on what you're going to do with Keston Hira. Is Keston Hira going to be that backup infielder? What do you do with Mike Brasso in that situation? Do you keep two righties on your bench along with your backup catcher? And then your your outfield is very right-handed as things stand right now, assuming Sal Freelich is not on the opening day roster because he's not on the 40-man. Este Uri Ruiz is on the 40-man. He's right-handed. Garrett Mitchell's lefty, and so is Christian Yelich, but then everybody else is right-handed. The big thing that I look at, and I look at this free agent market, and it does sound crazy to say that he may or may not be going back to the team that we're so used to him seeing with, Jose Abreu would be a perfect fit for the Brewers. And looking at his numbers, yeah, he's 36 years old. Yeah, his home run rate was down a little bit last year. He only had 15 homers last season, playing in 157 games. So there's something going on there. Still, bat the ball, though. Doesn't strike out all that much. Only a 16% strikeout rate, the best rate of his career. A 304 batting average, 446 slugging. You would hope for more slugging out of your first baseman, DH. But the reason why Jose Abreu, in my opinion, is such a perfect fit for the Brewers is because it solves two problems in one. Number one, DH. 
instantly solved. He can be your DH whenever there's a righty on the mound, meaning Rowdy Telez will be playing first base because Jose Abreu is a guy that wants to play every day. Rowdy Telez playing every day first, first base last year didn't really go as planned, especially in the second half of the season. It really, in my opinion, looked like Rowdy Telez fell out, ran out of gas, started to try to figure things out. The offense, obviously, the home runs were still there. 35 homers to lead the team. 23 doubles. Only a 219 batting average, though, with a 767 OPS, which was worse than as what than it was in 2021 with the Brewers. He had an 814 OPS in 56 games with the Brewers in 2021 when he was traded. So in my opinion, Jose Abreu solves two problems because now you've got a first baseman, a legitimate first baseman, as opposed to putting Keston here and there and hoping that it's going to work out. That whenever there's a lefty on the mound, Abreu plays first base. Rowdy gets the day off. You can fill in the DH with maybe a Mike Brasso or maybe Keston Hero. Granted, we've talked about the reverse splits on this show before. Jose Abreu really fits well for the Brewers, in my opinion. That would be one of my targets for Matt Arnold and the Brewers. And quite frankly, it's not going to be a massive long deal. And if you've already picked up a $10 million option on Colton Long and declined $3 million on Brad Boxberger, as we just talked about with Kurt Hogue, in my opinion... This is the time to spend some cash. And it's not like he's going to ask for a $10 million deal. He was not offered the qualifying offer. So there's nothing attached to him either. He can still do something like maybe two years for $15 million. I think that's something that the Brewers should certainly be thinking about. Maybe even cheaper if he's going to take it. I doubt he takes that. The Rangers are certainly going to be players for Jose Abreu, given how bad first base was for them last year. There are going to be a lot of bidders for Jose Abreu because... What I feel like Jose Abreu will happen if he's not going back to the White Sox, it's basically going to come down to whoever doesn't get Josh Bell, the runner-up to Josh Bell, is going to go for Jose Abreu, in my opinion. So the Brewers are going to try to be ahead of that. I still think Anthony Rizzo is going back to the Yankees. Yes, he was given the qualifying offer, but I just don't see any other reason for him to go anywhere other than New York. That ballpark fits him too well. So first base with Rowdy and a, a... a platoon of Rowdy and Jose Abreu, I think could really, really work out well. That's just me. That's just free agency. Let's talk about Colton Wong, though. More about Colton, the flying Hawaiian, if you will. Sorry, Shane Victorino, barring the nickname. Talking about him staying here in Milwaukee next on your home of the Brewers, WTMJ. stages of the show here we're with you to the top of the hour on Brewers Weekly. I'm Dominic Petronio. Colton Wong, we got the news earlier this week that the Brewers would be picking up his $10 million option entering into his age 32 season. He just turned 32 exactly one month ago. The Hawaiian second baseman will be staying in Milwaukee and uh, I think he's pretty excited about it. The Brewers should be excited about it. And now I've come around to realize I should be excited about it too. Jumping into the bigger numbers here, let's talk about the tweet that I said. I said, the Brewers are baking on the 2021 version of Colton Wong. A lot of you immediately pointed out to me and say, hey, Dom, his 2022 wasn't that bad either. Got to give him some credit in 2022. Here's why I want 2021 version of Colton Wong, aside from the injuries, of course. I want the dude healthy. That's something that has held him back. Uh, in his two years here in Milwaukee, he played a lot of the season in 2019, played a ton of the season in 2020 with the Cardinals, but really has had an injury miss a lot of time since 18, 17, even 16 for him. 
he has missed time. So we really would like to see him cross over 500 plate appearances. He's come very close the last two years, but just not quite over 500 plate appearances. He's only done that twice in his career, 2015 and 2019. But for Colton Wong, looking at his numbers last season, on the surface level, very good. 15 home runs, a career high for him. He had a 430 slugging, one of his better years slugging-wise, a 770 OPS, just only a few points shy of what it was in 2021. Even had a better OPS plus than he had in 2021. Eight points better, which means he's 18 points above league average at 118 for his position and for his offensive output. 24 doubles, also great. He bounced around from the leadoff spot to the five spot in the order as Christian Yelich was moved to leadoff spot while Colton Wong was injured. But the big thing for me with Colton, the glove, man, what happened to his glove this season? 2022, his defensive run save was in the negatives. That's something he had only done twice in his career prior to this year. In fact, he had saved 17 runs defensively back in 2019 when he won his first of back-to-back gold gloves. I thought he was going to win a gold glove in 2021 if he had enough innings to qualify and he had played the whole season if it weren't to injury. What the heck happened to his glove this season? Errors came out of nowhere for him, too. Not something that he's very proud of at all. 17 errors in 2022. Looking back the previous three seasons, he only had a total of 13 errors in 21, 20, and 19. Of course, 20 is shortened season. Again, 13 errors in the past two and a half years versus 17 errors in one year. You have to think, that's an anomaly. You have to think that is an outlier for somebody who has got two gold gloves sitting on his mantelpiece right now and the gold Rawlings label on his glove. He knows it. You know it. I think he's going to be better at second base next season. But a lot of you have pointed out war. Hey, Dom, look at his war. His war was still 3.1, almost identical on baseball reference, that is, almost identical to what it was in 2021. Here's the thing about war. War is a counting stat, just like Runs, RBIs, home runs. And the more plate appearances you have, the more at-bats you have, the better chance you have to improve your war. Remember, he had almost virtually the same number of plate appearances in 2021 and 2022. And yet, he played in 18 more games than he did in 2021 this past season, but almost had the same number of plate appearances. He was getting platooned, he was struggling against lefties toward the end of the year, and he had injuries. The reason why... A lot of folks went to war because it is an easy stat to look at. But a 3.3 war in only 116 games in 2021, that's tremendous. Remember, he had 14 homers in 116 games. He had 15 in 18 more games. So he could have been on track for a 20-homer season in 2021 if it weren't for injuries. While playing near gold glove caliber defense, while having a nearly 800 OPS, which was five points shy of his best OPS of his career, Colt Wong, heading into age 32, in the final year of his deal, trying to prove something. There's going to be a, a carrot you know, at the end of that fishing line in front of him. Hey, I have another good year here. I can get myself some a couple more years on a deal heading into free agency for real this next season. He's a true unrestricted free agent next season. Colt Wong is going to be a lion's share of second base play this year. It depends on what they want to do with him when lefties are on the mound. Because a reminder, it was not pretty this year against lefties. He only hit 138 with one extra base hit, a home run, against lefties this season. That's got to improve 
for him and the Brewers to be successful in 2023. But hey, Colton Wong is back. We get to take it easy from the Hilo Hawaii native. This will be a lot of fun to see Colton Wong back. And I think he's comfortable here as well. The fans love him. I think he's a great player and a great guy. So uh, the, the Wonger is back and there's a lot to be excited about. Let's talk more about the offseason ahead coming up on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Free agency has officially begun. The offseason's here. It's real. The stove is hot. We've already seen uh, Edwin Diaz get signed. We've seen qualifying offers get thrown about. I talked about it a little bit in last week's show, but I want to give you a quick refresher here. We're only going to the top of the hour, so running a little bit low on time. I'm Dominic Catronio. Let me tell you about the qualifying offer, and I'm recording this you know, a little bit earlier today due to a scheduling conflict, but you hear the word qualifying offer, especially to a top player. You know, A few of the top guys that have already been offered qualifying offers would be like a, an Anthony Rizzo, or now Trey Turner has been given the qualifying offer. What that means is they've been offered a contract of $19.7 million for one year, 19.65 if you want to be technical. If they accept that deal, that's their salary. They get a one-year deal for $19.65 million. That number is the average of the top 125 salaries in baseball. You get a one-year deal, and then they become a free agent again. It's meant to give a chance for small market teams to give a fair offer for one year for a player they would like to keep. But if that player decides to sign elsewhere as a free agent, and they decline that qualifying offer, they get 10 days to decide if they want to accept that qualifying offer. What happens then is not only does the team he goes to lose a draft pick, the team that offered the qualifying offer and now the player is departing from will receive that draft pick in the compensation round. So there is always something attached to the player. Keep that in mind moving forward for the offseason when you hear he has been offered the qualifying offer and he was denied. That's why you may see some guys stall out on the fact of whether or not they actually get a deal that you may be thinking that they're deserving of. When you look at the way things are for this offseason, it's going to be a lot. Look, the, Aaron Judge is going to hog all the headlines and all the oxygen, as will Carlos Correa, as will Xander Bogarts. Pitching-wise, Carlos Rodon, Justin Verlander, Tyler Anderson was also offered the qualifying offer from the Dodgers. Is it a flash in the pan year or what? Clayton Kershaw was not offered the qualifying offer. But if he goes anywhere other than the Dodgers, I'd be shocked. Uh, you look at catchers. Uh, you look. Wilson Contreras is probably the top available catcher this year. Does he go to the Cardinals and break the, the Cubs' Cardinals rivalry in half? Be like, wait a minute, he's becoming a Cardinal? He was a Cub. He was an absolute Cardinal hater for all those years with the Cubs. Christian Vasquez, now a, another two time World Series champion, leaving the Astros after his rental deal. Gary Sanchez is a free agent now from the Twins after that experience didn't really go great for Minnesota this last year. And of course, Brewers' own Omar Narvaez is a free agent. So there's a lot of traffic around the catcher position. And that might be a position that goes off the board first, in my opinion. Because of how much it matters, you got four legitimate everyday starting type catchers right there available of the guys I just listed off that generally can hit. Now, Omar had a very down year offensively, but his framing numbers have certainly improved. Whereas Gary Sanchez is the other way around. He can hit, but he can't really frame. He can't really play the defensive side of the position. Vasquez is a good blend of the two, and Wilson Contreras, obviously, as the Brewers know, is the best of the two. If I had to guess right now, I think catchers go first 
outfielders would go next. Then the pitching market's going to go crazy. Where is Jacob DeGrom going to go? How many years is he going to get at 35 after all the injuries that he has had? This is going to be a fun offseason, in my opinion. There are so many different directions that these teams can go with the expanded playoffs, with 12 teams, obviously. A lot more teams feel like they're in it. A lot more teams can make a move. The Giants have money to spend. The Giants can go out and get an Aaron Judge. Does Aaron Judge want to go to the Giants, though, is the real question. You're going to hear about it all offseason long. We're going to talk about it plenty here on Brewers Weekly. And as I talked about previously in this show, I still think Jose Abreu would be a great fit for the Brewers. All right, let's wrap things up. Say goodbye next on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. Wisconsin's Morning News. The statewide election is not going to be stolen this way. Join Vince Vetrano every weekday starting at 5 a.m. It's not how you create tens of thousands of fraudulent votes to tip the statewide scales in the favor of one candidate or another. However, start the day with what you need to know. It needs to be investigated. It needs to be prosecuted. And whatever loopholes may exist that allow for this type of thing to happen need to be closed. And asking questions does not make you an election denier. Only here on Wisconsin's Red. Radio station News Radio WTMJ. Real quick goodbye segment as we are out of time here tonight on Brewers Weekly. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, you can find this episode in podcast form right after it ends up uh, on Apple Podcasts and on our website WTMJ.com. Uh, also, be on the lookout next week. Got a lot of content in the works right now. I'm really excited about the coverage that I want to deliver to you guys this off season for the Brew Crew. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at dom d o m underscore c o t r o n e o. I promise not all the shows this off season will be recorded, but it's because of a scheduling conflict. So I apologize on that. Be, keep your eyes peeled. We got a lot more to come. I'll also be on Wisconsin Morning News doing sports updates starting next week. So you'll hear me there as well. We'll be all over the place giving you all the coverage you want to know about the Brew Crew this offseason. Big thank you to our producer tonight, Justin Pottinger, in our studios. I'm Dominic Catronio. Once again, the offseason has begun. Buckle up. The stove is hot. Don't burn your hand on it. Let's have some fun this winter as we enjoyed this final beautiful 70-degree day before reality slaps us, slaps us in the face tomorrow. Good night. Thank you for listening. Until next time, keep on swinging.